with the Survival Podcast. Welcome to an episode of Friday Flashbacks. After 15 years and hundreds of interview shows, we decided to run them as flashbacks every Friday, beginning with the oldest of them and going forward. There's a tremendous library of wisdom in all the great interviews we've done over the years, so sit back and enjoy. Whether this is your first time or even your second time around with today's episode, I'm sure you will enjoy it and learn a lot from it. And remember, you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work we do just by becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll get access to over 70 awesome discount codes on products and services you likely already use. Things like seeds, cannabis products, food storage items, custom roasted coffee, and even cool stuff like ammo and moonshine stills and more. So support the show, get all your money back and more. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more and sign up. Now let's get into today's Friday flashback. And today we are flashing back to August 24th, 2009. First interview that we ever did on the Survival Podcast. Originally, episode 263, an interview with Matt Hundley, a.k.a. Trioxin on the TSP forums of the day. And with that, the housekeeping is knocked off, and I would like to uh, welcome our guest today, Matt Huntley, also known as Trioxin. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure, Jack. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, before we go any further, I just wanted to let you know that uh, this morning, I believe we hit 3,000 members on the forum officially. That's awesome. I, I saw the post on that, and I just commented on it. Um, to how good a job you guys do as moderators out there. That there's actually been over 6,290 some, so almost seven, uh, almost 6,300 people uh, have signed up, and you guys killed off about 3,300 of them as spammers, and that's really cool. And uh, thanks for your service as a moderator and the, the other 20, 30 people now that uh, do that job. It's not easy. Well, as always, man. It, you know everything that I do in uh, for uh, Survival Podcast form. It's it's a it's an honor. I mean, it really is. I'm glad to be involved. Um, I'm glad to have met all of the people that I have met. Um, so, you know, it's fun, and it's an honor. So, yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to do that. Hey, hey man, thanks for doing it. But, hey, let's talk about kind of why you're here. I was going to talk to you a little bit about small-scale slower, but let's talk about something else because I think it's what prompted people. You started doing these little videos lately, and, like, as soon as I said I'm looking for guests, everybody on the forum's like, you got to get trioxin on. Um, so one of your videos was about ground cherries. So this is the first year you've planted those. Can you tell people what a ground cherry is? Sure, man. Um, well, you know, I'm always looking for um, something that's fruitish, I guess you'd call it. Uh, you know, I love apples and pears and all that stuff. Uh, I've planted a few trees. But, you know, let's face it, you drop a tree in the ground minimum, what, three years before you're going to get anything out of it. So, uh, you know, there's strawberries and blueberries and things like that, but, um, you know, even blueberries or grapes, you're still looking at quite a bit of turnaround time. So, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I plant, I try to keep it uh, something interesting. I look a lot at heirloom seeds, uh, open pollinated stuff. And one of my favorite places to get seeds from, uh, seedsavers.org, um, had a real nice little write-up about ground cherries. And I believe, again, I'm, you know, I'm not a botanist, but I believe that they are somehow related to uh, tomatoes. Uh, and what it is, uh, there's this little tiny, tiny little seed about the size of a blueberry seed. Uh, and you plant it, and it grows in this enormous uh, plant that uh, bears these little 
paper lanterns, I call them for you know lack of a lack of a better word. And inside these lanterns are uh, a little berry about the size of a marble that uh, it tastes sort of like a combination between a cherry and a pineapple. And they're really easy to grow. They're really hardy. Um, very very prolific. I thought that my yield of the ground cherries had pretty much you know tapered off so far this year, but man, was I wrong. I went out there the other day, and there's another quart just laying on the ground for me. And you only have, like, two plants? Really, yeah, two plants. That's it, man. (laughs) I planted, uh, I normally uh, hatch my seeds, we'll call it, in, uh, I found that an incubator works really well. You know, I go with the the, uh, little peat pots, you know, you buy little discs and you, you know, hydrate them. Uh, and I can fit, geez, I don't know, 50 of those things in my little uh, styrofoam incubator that I bought for like 50 bucks. Um, I've got plenty of chickens. I certainly don't need any more chickens. Yeah. So I thought, well, multitask it. I'll put that to work because it's great. You know, you can. Do, it's a controlled environment, controlled humidity, controlled temperature. Everything works wonderful. Matt, um, Matt, real quick yeah. on that, dude. Sure. Um, every once in a while, somebody says something, and it's one of those like, well, duh moments. Um, I'm gonna guess you have an incubator. It's styrofoam's got two little uh, windows on the roof. It's called a herbivator, right? That's the one. That's yeah. the one. I have one sitting out in my shed right now. I I used to be really big into uh, breeding reptiles, and I used it for uh, hatching snake eggs of all things. Uh, never thought about putting a seed in there to start, and it's it's one of those. This is why we have people on, folks, because it's one of those things that sits right in front of you. I actually had it in my office earlier this year uh, to hatch out a, a, a clutch of house snakes, and. Uh, I, I had it sitting here, like, after they hatched for, like, three weeks, thinking, boy, I wish I could get that thing out of my way. I could start more seeds. So thanks for making me feel like a tough ass. Hey, no no but anyway, you were saying about these uh, these ground cherries. So what are you doing with them once you uh, once you harvest them? Are you just eating them, or are you preserving them in any way? Or Yeah, eating them, man. They're, they're <laughs> just that good. I mean, really, they, like, I bring them in. I, I put them in a bowl, and, uh, you know, I say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to save this bowl. I'm going to go get, you know, maybe another bowl or two of them, and I'll, I'm going to make some jelly or something. And it, it doesn't work, man. <laughs> <laughs> the kids eat them. Everybody eats them. Hey, you know, I want to sneak in a little plug for my wife there. If you're, you know, it's, it's, I had to give her some credit for the, uh, the seed idea. I had the, the incubator actually sitting in the living room, and she said, you know, can't you do something with this? <laughs> and then I just, you know, light bulb, well, yeah, I think I can. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you uh, can completely so, control so. humidity and temperature. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking good. I had all these trays laid out, my little heater pads underneath them and all, yeah. and come on. Come I, on, I, guys, right? <laughs> you know, man, I tell you, I went down the same route I had to... To you know, start hatching my seeds. I, I bought this little shelving unit, and I you know lined it with a styrofoam sheeting, and made you know little doors and duct tapes, and I had grow lights in there, and th- you know thermometers and little cups of water, and uh, yeah, it was like look, you know it looked like a, a laboratory in there. And then you know this incubator, like say you just set it out, you know you can set it on a porch outside. Yeah. It's got a heating element in it, you know it stays. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one of those little multitaskers, man. I'm a big fan of the show Good Eats. You know, uh-huh. and everything in the kitchen. Uh, you, ever, you familiar with that show? Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's a great yeah, show. Yeah, you know, everything, everything in there's got to be, uh, you know, multitask. Every tool's got to have a multitask. So, uh, you know, the, the uh, egg incubator. And, you know, I'm sure there's ideas out there, too, that, you know, we haven't touched on yet that you can do even other stuff with it. You know, any kind of controlled environment like that's got to be useful for, you know, other stuff. I think there's a lot of things out there that uh, we we look at every day, and it's 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 one in one, and all you got to do is stick the plus sign in it, and two will come out the other end. But our our minds get locked into a single train of thought. 
Um, for instance, today I was, I, I know you've checked out Dehydrate Distort's YouTube channel before, and she's great. She does all this great stuff with dehydrating food. Well, today I was looking at her most recent video, and what she's doing now is going out to the, the grocery store and buying frozen vegetables, which are, which are dirt cheap, and because they've been frozen, they're already blanched, so you don't have to worry about blanching them and just dehydrating those. Right. And I'm right. going, well, that makes sense, you know, because that yeah, just skips yeah. that whole blanching step. And she was dehydrating everything from blueberries to hash browns. And she took this huge uh, assortment of food, which were obviously very, very inexpensive because that stuff, you know, the frozen vegetables are cheap, uh, and turned it into all this great stored survival food, you know. And that was really cool. And I'll put a link to today's show notes so people can check that out. Uh, I'll give you the link today, Matt. Well, I guess you already know what it is, right? Uh, but, go ahead. I think you're right, man. I mean, we get caught up a lot of times in the whole, like, you know, survivalist mentality of, you know, I, I've got to grow it from, you know, I've got it's got to be fresh. I got to grow it. I mean, you know, when, like you say, I can go down to the store and buy some frozen vegetables and, you know, whip up a batch of my favorite soup for, you know, two bucks and can eight quarts of it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, it, it's cool that, that we have the skills to do that, you know, and, and like you say about putting, you know, one and one together. You know, uh, uh, cavemen watched lightning, you know, but it took Benjamin Franklin to slap that key on the kite, I guess. To, and there was a lot know, of years in between, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've got all this stuff in front of us, and like you say, sometimes it is just that one person that says, hey, you know, why won't it work like this? Yeah, you what know? if I took this into this and combined it? And kind of on that yeah, note, let, let's talk a little bit about setting up like a basic solar backup thing. Um, okay. Because I actually had somebody, I won't say the name of the company because I don't want to, like, trash them or anything, but we actually did turn them down as an advertiser. In fact, I don't think you guys even ever got to look at them. Uh, I just said that it didn't make sense. And they had this, this solar backup system uh, that was selling for, like, about $2,500. And I looked at it and went, we build that with brand-new stuff for under 500 bucks easily. If you got a little creative, you could do it for way less. So let's say a guy just wanted to set up, or a gal for that matter, you know, uh, wanted to set up a little bit of redundancy with power. What would you suggest that they do? Uh, you know, man, I'd probably suggest maybe something like uh, the Porta Power Box, you know, that little vid that I made. I made a video and posted it on the Porta Power Box. And basically what it is, um, it is just a box with a deep cycle marine battery in it with, uh, you know, a DC to AC inverter on the outside. And it's that simple. I mean, um, as far as uh, recharging the unit, you know, you'll have to use a, a battery charger to uh, keep it charged. But that was sort of my first foray into it. And, um, you know, it's good for running lights uh, when the battery. That, for me, that was a big thing. You know, mm -hmm. the first time the power went off, um, you know, huddled together with my family in the dark, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning and it's thunderstorming out, you know, and flip the switch and the Four or five light bulbs come on, and we're you know it's pulled us from the you know that cave. It's pulled us out of the dark ages. And I, I you know looked at my wife, and I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. You no know? noise, so, no gas, no generator no, fumes, no, just a switch, no. and you're there. And yeah, that's yeah. not solar, but we have power every day up until it goes out. So to get you through those times is probably all that you need, and it's simple, easy, and pretty much anybody can do it. You basically add a battery, an inverter, and a charger. Right, right. That's that's like say that's that's the simple the first step, and then from there you can actually take either your port of power box, the equipment that you already own, you know your your solar 
uh, or your deep cycle battery and your inverter, and you can branch out into a small solar setup, which would be, uh, you know, add a few more batteries, uh, get yourself a small-ish solar panel. When I say smallish, minimum of like 100 watts, you know. Mm-hmm. The, one of the problems that you can get into with trying to explain solar stuff to people is just the numbers, man. I mean, just the watts and amps and volts and how much is it going to take to run this and how much, how long will it run for this. And, I mean, that is, I, as a matter of fact, I did a whole podcast on it when I was sort of branching out, and I think I just barely scratched the surface on it. But it can be daunting, but I don't think people should, you know, get really caught up in that, you know. I mean, if you want to set your whole house up to run it, you know, you're talking a lot of money and you're going to have sure. a good system. But like we, you know, like we talk an emergency backup system, you know, small time. If you have a 100-watt uh, panel, three or four, um, you know, deep-cycle marine batteries, maybe a 1,200, 2,500-watt inverter, uh, a good little charge controller, it's going to cost you seven, $800 probably if you, you know, if you can really do it on the cheap via eBay. That's actually where I bought most mm-hmm. of my stuff. I have to say that, you know, I believe in, believe in buying used stuff. Most of the time, sometimes it can turn on you, but, you know, nine times out of ten, I don't think I've ever had a, a bad experience on eBay. I've heard of people, you know, that have got junk, but I've been real lucky, man. Um, and then, if, like I say, if you want to buy all new stuff, you're probably looking at right around a thousand bucks. Yeah. And it, you know, I've had people actually ask me, well, you know, isn't that a lot of money? Yeah. Know, for something like this, and well, I mean, what's you know, what's it worth to you? You know, I mean, when the lights go out, uh, what's power worth to you? You know, <laughs> I mean, in the event of a natural disaster. Uh, you know, you're sitting in another Katrina and the power goes off for two weeks. What's electricity worth? Sure. Is it worth 500 bucks, you know? Well, it I probably mean, would be the day the power goes off. And I think that's where people get their heads wrapped the wrong way, where it's like, uh, and it's with everything in, in prepping. Uh, you tell people store six months worth of food and they're like, oh, well, that's a lot of money. Well, hello, you're going to eat anyway. So it's money you're going to spend anyway. And the day that the pantry's empty, well, then you would pay three times the amount for the food without even thinking about it. The day that the lights go out, hey, you'll turn my lights back on for two weeks for five hundred bucks. You know, if, this, if the guy's got the money, where do I where do I send the check? Would be the statement. Um, so I think you're dead right there. Now with the eBay thing, this is something that that I've been through with people, and I've had to help them kind of see it the right way. Um, at work, we were getting ready to buy some pretty expensive electronic equipment, and my partner didn't want to buy it from eBay, and he said because it doesn't come with any kind of a warranty. So we looked at the price, and I said, look, Dale, here's what we're looking at. If we buy this stuff from eBay, and it falls apart, and we buy a second batch of it from eBay, we're still paying less than if we go buy it new. And if it works, we paid a lot less, and we ended up making the decision based on it. I think that's a lot of times people don't realize it. Now, your solar panel thing, um, I picked up one of these e-books um, on, on building solar systems, and usually those things aren't that great, but I was thinking about adding uh, an affiliate link to the site, so I wanted to make sure it was worth it, so I paid the 50 bucks. And there was one tip in there that I thought was worth the price of the book, and that was that when you're out and about and you see, like, all these road signs up, like flashing speed limits and what have you with solar panels on them, that if you go look on the back side of that solar panel, you usually find a sticker, and it doesn't usually belong to the city or the state. It usually belongs to a private company that leases it. And if you get the name of that company and phone them up, a lot of times they have panels that have been slightly damaged that they'll give you for free. And son of a gun, I tried it, and I got three solar panels for absolutely nothing just driving over and picking them up. Wow, well, there, you know, hey, I gave you the Hoover Dater thing, man. <laughs> the solar panel thing, dude. Next uh, street sign, or like, say, I'll, I'm going to pull over and uh, take a look on the back of one of those things. 
And, and what will happen okay. is you'll get them, they'll have little cracks in them or whatever, but so they're not putting out maximum wattage, but since you get them for free, you know, you put a few of them together and you increase your, uh, your, your total output that way. And, you know, okay, so it's operating at 80% efficiency, but you paid $0 for it. Right. See, there you go using your brain again, man. See what happens when you, when you think about stuff, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's something that can be done, really. I mean, you know, I, I just finished up my master's degree, and I've been living on the cheap for the past six years. I've been, you know, the classic broke student. But, you know, I've got a wife and two kids as well. So, I mean, I figured, you know, if I can scrape and scratch and put one of these things together, man, anybody can, you know. So, and like I say, the value of it, once you get it together and, you you know, you you hook the battery up and it's sitting there and you're looking at it, you, you say, wow, I, I spent, you know, $700 on that. And it's just sort of sitting there. But but trust me, you know, the first time the lights go off, you'll, you'll love it, I promise. And I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about putting together one and making the box a little bit bigger, and this is what I was going to do with it. I was going to mount just a cheap uh, car stereo that wouldn't even use the inverter and a couple speakers on the box. And when I don't need it for emergencies, you take it anywhere you want portable music. You know, and it's renewable, idea. portable music. So, I and I looked at your box and I thought all I got to do is make that bigger and you know get maybe kind of a, an inexpensive but like a marine grade, um, like for a boat uh, car car stereo, but a boat stereo, I guess the way to put it. And uh, then it's you know you don't have to really worry about it getting splashed or whatever if it's near a pool. And uh, so I think I'm going to try that as a project, one of my next things I'm going to do. And folks, I hope you're like when you listen to Matt, you you, th- you start to think like, what can I do with what's around me, and what can I find and I think another thing that's important here to understand is, like, we're getting together. We've known each other a long time, talked to each other on the Internet, but here we are talking for you guys today, and we're coming up with all these things from combining our two different sets of experience, and that's really why community is really important to start reaching out. Stop hiding under your bed, folks, is the way I put it. You know, don't be afraid to tell people who you are. There's more of us out there than you realize. And I was just listening to James Stevens' show, and he was basically saying anybody that has insurance uh, or a savings account is basically a prepper, and they just don't know. They're preparing. They're just using a different method. So um, on, the, on the solar side, you've actually gone pretty big. You've gone with kind of some chain-together batteries. And, you know, how much does that run for you in your home if you have to rely on it? Uh, as far as actually, you know, the amount of time that I can run. Yeah. Uh, I can run about 36 hours. I can run, I can run uh, three or four light bulbs. Uh, my television, which is, you know, I got like a big 42 inch, you know, flat screen. Uh, so I can run that. I can run my satellite box, uh, a radio. I mean, I can, I call it, uh, comfortable minimalism is what I call it. Awesome. I can go, yeah, comfortable minimalism for around 36 hours. Yeah, and I've got probably, you know, and, and again, I put this thing together, a piece here and a piece there, you know, battery here, battery there, over, a, you know, a couple of years, and I've probably got total, if you figure everything out, if you just wanted to go and, you know, do exactly what I have from scratch, probably about 1200 and I think that's yeah. a hell of a deal to be able to go a day and a half without any power, and actually you probably go longer because, you know, at night when you're sleeping, you don't actually run anything you know so oh, yeah yeah and that, like I say that that's comfortable minimalism yeah we could we could go down the light bulbs and just you know i mean we don't got to watch the tv 42 inch tv that's pretty heavy <laughs> draw right so that, uh, but that's yeah. cool you know and i'll tell you what for kids though like it's kind of scary when they're going through stuff like that to be able to throw finding nemo into the dvd player and actually let them watch something and kind of pull them out of it it's a really cool thing and that's that's one of those things that's hard to put a price on as well 
And I think that, you know, you look at what you've built kind of as a, as a base. If you want to expand that now, like if you come across another good deal on a deep cycle battery or, or what have you, adding that in and increasing your capacity is really easy now. Or if you find some solar panels, like, you know, from some street signs or something, it's, it's really easy now for you to expand, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the whole system's totally modular, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like just the other day, I, I picked up another deep cycle battery. So before what I had, I had my porta power box, and when I wanted to use it, I would actually have to go unhook a battery, put it in there. You know, when I was done, bring it back, charge mm-hmm. it up, everything. And now I went out and picked another one, so I've got one permanent for that. But, yeah, at any time, you can, you know, um, I built a juncture box to run my panels into. They all run into a little juncture. And I've got, you know, cheese, I don't know, four or five openings left in there and so yeah it's it's really easy you could easily you know if i had a windfall and came on to an extra thousand bucks i could easily slap another four or five batteries another panel or two up there and it's just going to make the system you know last that much longer recharge that much faster you know like give me that much more um you know potential electricity the, the other thing i've heard for finding batteries for cheaper next to nothing i haven't tried this one yet but it was in the same publication was places that sell golf carts will often have batteries they've just kind of given up on but if you take them and run the recondition cycle on your charger you get a battery that might not be the best battery in the world but it's sufficient especially if you've got it again for free so uh, you might want to give that a shot i haven't tried that one yet i figure batteries are probably the best thing to invest in new in a system because it's the core of the heart of your system yeah, yeah. The, the only thing I would advise on most uh, golf carts, everything that I've read, and again, I could be totally wrong in this because I'm, I'm no golf cart expert, that they run off 6 volt, I believe. Really? Yeah, and most of your uh, solar stuff is, is 12 volt. So you'd have to put two together so, in each series and... and right. It's the wiring, yeah, you could totally do it. I wouldn't yeah. discourage anybody from doing it. I mean, if you if you bumped on a six, you know, really sweet 6 volt batteries, take them home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, the battery, the wiring will be a little bit because you'll have to do a series parallel wiring. Correct. But but yeah, don't let that discourage you. You know, again, that I guess you know you could take all this uh, stuff that we're talking about and sort of uh, put it under the umbrella of you know don't be afraid to just jump into something. You know, like I say, if you've never done if you've never uh, done anything with batteries or electricity or anything like that, just get you a book. You know. <laughs> Do some reading, talk to some people with some experience, and just jump right in there, man. I mean, nobody's an expert the first time they start something. And I would never, you know, dare to call myself an expert. Everything that I know is, is just from, you know, hard-earned experience. But I'll tell you what, I think that if somebody was in a situation like you are and needed a, a profession created out of thin air, you could probably go around putting in $1,200 systems and charging 2500 bucks for them, and you could probably find a lot of business doing that. And I think it all, it, it's like everything that you do, the first time you do it, it's hard. The second time you do it, it's a hell of a lot easier. There's a there's a video I think I floated around of a of an old aluminum boat that I customized into kind of like a, like a, a utility fishing boat with decking and everything. And when I started that project, I was like, I have no idea how to do this. But just by getting involved in doing it, all of a sudden, like, you find the problem, and then the problem leads you to the solution. And I think everything we do is kind of that way. Let's let's switch gears a little bit, though. Let's talk, because I know you're also big into keeping some small livestock. What do you guys have there for stock? Uh, right now we're down to chickens and rabbits. Okay. So, yeah, we, we've sort of thinned things out a little bit. Um, and that's uh, that's what we keep, um, you know, as far as our, our main uh, source of food, I guess you'd say. <laughs> uh, I have a small chicken coop um, that I built, 
again, it was um, put together from, you know, score, uh, scrounge material, stuff that I foraged. Uh, I used to go to a uh, university of Tennessee, and I worked at an, uh, an art museum. And that place was an absolute gold mine for building here. Really? Oh man, I'm telling you, if you can, uh, if you have any connection to a university or a school or any system or anything like that, you know, get in there and milk that, guys. Because I would, you know, especially this museum. Because you know, we had kids that come in. I mean, we'd have an art student that'd come in, and yeah, I'm doing this project. I need 32 sheets of plywood, and like, and you know, they would they would do this thing and paint it, and then to them it was just trash. I got you. Know, and I, I worked there, and I was sort of like the handyman. I did all, you know, painting. And um, again, you know, there's a there's a, real, a short, interesting story there. Uh, the the director of the gallery. I, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, yeah, I actually had to uh, show her how to put a drill bit into the drill got at it. one point. So yeah, so you know, I had this. Uh, so uh, you know, I was. Uh, sort of the handyman around there and you know everything but the amount of material that came in and out of that place was just amazing so yeah um and uh the chicken coop was you know like say just sort of scrounged together like that i've got uh, i think i'm down to about 20 chickens right now and i've literally got more eggs than i know what to do with are you a, a hens only operation there do you got a rooster that's making more chickens whether you want them or not or um, you know, I do. I've got. Uh, I have a rooster inside there. Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, uh, he seems to have a lot of fun. Um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is sort of an option that you know, if at any point I really need to like fly into uh, meat production, that I can. Yeah. You know, I'm not uh, stuck with. Oh man, where am I going to find a rooster at? Oh, yeah. You know, putting a chicken in there that's not that's not used to that environment. Is he going to be comfortable enough? to perform, is he going to fertilize eggs, are the other ones going to attack him, you know, I mean, all this stuff, so I figured I'll just keep him in there, and I mean, I eat the eggs, Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, there's a microscopic little dot in the center of each egg, you know, it's not you a don't, that, that, that doesn't hurt anything. I also yeah. talked to a guy recently, he's got, uh, I think he's got 12 hens, mm-hmm. and um, they get more eggs than they can than handle. And, but it's not enough to really market them, like to, to do like a farmer's market thing or anything. And what he told me he realized is that the egg is one of the most perfect uh, feed substances in the world for a dog. And he's got four dogs. So any eggs that they can't eat, they just feed to their dogs, and it's like free dog food. Um, he said his wife's taking to cooking them for the dogs. Like, he just dumped it, here you go. And she's like frying eggs up for the dogs or whatever. But... <laughs> It's a good lead into the rabbit thing too, man. I mean, you know, your your small, self-sufficient sort of web, if you want to call it. You know, I mean, the the scraps for the from the garden, you know, feed the chickens. The leftover eggs from the chickens feed the dog, the rabbit. Uh, you know, the rabbit pellets go into the garden, which produces the food that feeds the chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you say, I've got, I've got 20, 20 hens, and, and I have a ton of eggs, and it's still, well, you know, like you said, not enough to market it, but I found that it's really good karma. Uh, you know, when you when you pimp around town and give your neighbors some eggs here and some eggs there, all of a sudden, you know, you'd be surprised at the amount of, uh, you know, my neighbor brings me zucchinis, my other neighbor down the road, he grows grapes. Uh, when he harvests, he brings me some grapes down. I've had, you know, the neighbor lady, she was making zucchini bread. She brought me a couple down. And like I say, it's, you know, not, not, I don't want to put a mercenary spin on it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not why I take these eggs and I give them to people. I mean, I give it to them because, you know, I enjoy doing that and they enjoy the eggs. It's mutual, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, negative reciprocity, I believe is what they call it. Yeah. You know, I don't expect anything from it, but I do get stuff from it. Because it just so, happens. 
And I think that a lot of us grew up that way, and it's gotten lost in a lot of America. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to get sent off. We had a huge garden, and by the time the end of the year would come around, my grandmother would be just canning every day and making all kinds of stuff up and, and preserving stuff for the winter because the winter comes on you like no, nobody's business in Pennsylvania. And uh, But every day, basically, there'd be four or five grocery bags with family last names written on them, and she'd be like, all right go and i'd be walking all up and down our little road giving away stuff and i mean i almost never came back without something and you know we weren't we were actually at that point we were over capacity of our ability to deal with things and we were still like getting stuff back we didn't even really like yeah yeah we're good on on rhubarb this year mrs wilson we don't we don't need any more but the thing is the time to establish relationships like that is not when we're in some kind of a catastrophe and then you're going out and trying to, to arrange a barter situation, it's today because with that relationship established, it's going to be a natural thing if, God forbid, we ever need to rely on it, that it's already there. Yeah, you know, like you say, and if, if the, the proverbial shit hits the fan, um, you know, we're in the middle of a disaster and someone walks in on my uh, walks onto my property with a bag of oranges, he's going to be doing so at gunpoint. Yeah. And what kind of relationship are we going to spark at that point? But if it's your neighbor, it's your neighbor that always shows up with a bag of oranges. You're like, oh, great, I'm glad you're here. Let's let's see what we can do right now. It's not as free as maybe as it was when it was just you know a, a time of abundance. But sure, I'll I'll uh, I'll barter with you a little bit, or even you know, there's this this propensity, like I said, for people to hide who they are. And I've always said, if if I have a neighborhood level disaster here. I'll, I'll feed my neighborhood uh, as long as I can within reason. There's a point at which, if we ever go into one of those Hollywood disasters, yeah, you got to kind of look out for your own to a degree. But in most instances, the prepared person is part of the solution. And, and I've always noticed in every disaster I've looked at, and I've studied disasters, uh, you know, kind of in real time, watching everything that's happened for about the last 20 years, the way people react is almost always worse than the problem itself. The the reaction creates the disaster more than the occurrence, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, I'd say that's what makes us human beings. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, our our propensity to overreact in in the uh, face of adversity, yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm lucky enough that I live in a very rural area uh, here in Appalachia, and, you know, in, in all honesty, if, you know, if it ever hit the fan, I'm sure these people around here would be teaching me stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. So, I mean, I'm really lucky to be in that kind of area. I used to live in uh, Detroit, actually. Oof. uh Spent a lot of time in Ann Arbor also. And, you know, I, I couldn't imagine, uh, you know, I mean, I watch footage from time to time of the L.A. riots and stuff like that. And, I mean, you know, that's, I couldn't imagine. This place is in Detroit where you're not safe at 12 o'clock in the afternoon with the stock market at 15,000 points. Oh, yeah. It's a dangerous area to begin with. It it was literally every day, the gunshot thing, it was an everyday occurrence. It just, it got to the point, I mean, you you weren't even, you didn't even hit the dirt anymore. Yeah. You really just, you know, you heard gunshots around everywhere and, uh, you know, we, I was actually working on a film uh, up there uh, later on New Year's Eve, and uh, it's kind of a tradition, I guess, to go out and shoot on uh, New Year's Eve up there. And uh, <laughs> we actually have a recording of it, man. It sounds like Beirut or something. Really? Yeah, oh, it's just, it was really scary, man. It was. I mean, there were people literally running around outside our building just firing off in the air and stuff. Wow. It was, it was nuts, man. So, yeah, I just, for you know, a multitude of reasons, that's just one of the reasons I, I split town, man. I just, I just can't imagine living in a city anymore. 
I can tell you firsthand, New Orleans wasn't a safe place before Hurricane Katrina. I was there about 1994 as a contractor for MCI, and we were in this building. I can't remember what it's called, but it was right next to the Superdome. And it went up about 19 floors, and then it kind of got thinner, and it went up another 20 floors or what have you. And on that 19th floor, there was like a deck out there. And we would cut a lot of And on that floor is where the MCI uh, central office terminal was. And whenever we'd cut like the conduit or anything, it would create dust. And there's these things called uh, halon sensors for fire suppression in these computer rooms. So we'd take it out on this, this, this deck and do it. And we were doing some work that had to be done at night. So we went out there, we turned the light on, and we start cutting the panduit. And a guy runs out, turns the light off, goes, never do that again. And we're like, why shouldn't we turn a light on? He said, because the people that, that you know hang out and deal drugs under the overpass down there on I-10, when you turn the light on up here at night, they shoot at it for target practice. <laughs> and then you wonder why it breaks down the way that it did, especially right there in that area. That was the, the powder keg waiting to happen, and I think that exists in a lot of places. And it's, I think it's why we do the things we do. And people ask me all the time, why do you want to live in a more rural area? Well, you know, why, do, why does everybody in this prepper community seem to uh, crave that? I think it's, it's two things. I think it's the stuff we're talking about. But I also think you're probably a happier person today than you were, let's say, five years ago when you were living in an urban environment, having chickens and rabbits in your backyard and having a dog run around and having neighbors that you exchange things with, wouldn't would you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree, man. I mean, it's a, it, it was a little bit of culture shock at first, you know, when you make that big move, it's kind of weird, but, I mean, that's that's just human nature, you know. The, uh, the year before I left um, Michigan, uh, I, I was robbed, and I had someone, uh, uh, someone was shot, and uh, my next-door neighbor, he was out there, uh, you know, bleeding his, on his front yard uh, at 3 in the morning. So, the, you know, that was pretty much the push. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we moved down here, um, you know, I would walk out and I would feel really out of place. Um, I would think, you know, man, I would love some Greek food or, or yeah. some sushi or something, you know, some of the amenities of the city. And then I would, you know, see that guy laying, laying in his front yard gushing blood with people, you know. That's and I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll get used to this. And, yeah, you know, or you can go down to the store and buy some tuna and make your own, right? That there means. you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there you go. You know, the laziness when necessity is the mother of invention. Um, and, you know, I used to, uh, one of my jobs was I used to deliver bread uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And during, we had, I was right there next to the University of Michigan Stadium, and I would have to, in full stadium traffic, I'd be tooling this big giant bread truck around. And, uh, I mean, it was nothing, you know. I mean, it was didn't bother me at all. And now I'll make a, you know, a 4A in a Knox bill or, or Oak Ridge. And, uh, you know, in that traffic, I find now that I'm white knuckling it, you know. I mean, I've yeah. just gotten used to this this sort of slow, laid-back pace around here. And, it, you know, it's taken me a few years, but, yeah, like you say, overall, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. You know, I mean, I I would definitely rather be here, you know, on an everyday level, let alone on the, on the level of uh, a national disaster. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I think part of it is, and this is, it almost sounds like kind of like this mystical, spiritual thing, but it's really not. It's just basically what humans are. When you are connected somewhat to the earth through gardening, through not even just gardening and livestock, but simply paying attention to what's going on around you, noticing the fact, oh, the leaves, even though it's still hot out, they're starting to change. When is it going to rain again? Things like that. We were we, we, we lived for, for tens of thousands of years through our evolutionary cycle being in touch with that. 
And it's only the last hundred years that we have had the luxury of even not being in touch with it. And when the, the kind of the human propensity is built that way and you shift it, there, there's, this, there's this tendency, and I think it's a big part of why people are in debt. I know it seems miles away different, but something's missing. And because you're surrounded by concrete, pavement, hassle, and stress, you can't figure out what it is. So just like the drug addict that's self-medicating, people are out buying stuff thinking it's going to fill this hole that they don't understand, and it makes them feel better for a little bit, but just like a drug, it wears off, so you buy more. And next thing you know, and I'm a perfect example, one day you look at a credit card statement and go, how the hell did I get $25,000 into this thing? Yeah, I, you know, Jack, I, uh, a pearl from your mouth, man. I mean, <laughs> I agree with you 100%. You know, the Industrial Revolution did nothing for us, you know. I mean, like you said, we... You know, we've lived thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, you know, as a species. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about, you know, evolution or whatever, we, we still have, um, you know, that, that memory inside us. That regardless, no matter how it started, right, we had to sure, go through yeah. a period. Right, yeah, we don't even have to talk about that. I mean, like I say, just yeah. we've lived like this for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And just within the last few hundred years, you know, we, we've become just uh, a resource for, you know, this corporate domination, like you said, about buying stuff. You know, we're convinced every day that, hey, you know, you've got this deep spiritual need inside you. Hey, fill it up with a Toyota. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you say, it, hey, it feels great. You know, you get in that new car, and it's like you're a kid Christmas time again, man. But when the bill comes, yeah. and, you know, sooner or later, the bill always comes, man. Two years of paying the bill, and the bill doesn't, the balance doesn't look like it's really gone down much. And then you're like... You know, it's just a car. You realize it's just a car. It's just a truck. It's it's just a motorcycle. It's it's just a house, for God's sakes. For some yeah. people are out spending nine hundred thousand dollars on a house, and you, they say that you know, well, this mortgage fiasco is what got me upside down or whatever. And you go, well, how much money do you make a year? And their household income is seventy five thousand dollars. And you're going, yeah. how, how did you ever think that this was going to work? You know, <laughs> and, and I think well, like, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. But, you know, like you say, you know, what do you make a year? You know, you make a hundred grand, but what do you get? I mean, what do yeah. you get out of that? How much do you keep? You know, I mean, yeah. you know, what are you giving away? I mean, you're, I mean, literally, you know, on a long enough uh, timeline, all of our survivability goes to zero. I mean, we have X number of days to do this thing that we call live. And, you know, if you've got to spend 12 hours a day, Paying off your your car and your boat and your credit card. I mean, all of the stuff that's in your house does not equal the sum of your life. I mean, you know that to me that that was another reason that pushed me hard for this. Is I just looked around and it was like a light bulb came on and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> you know, this is this is craziness, man. I mean, I'm you know I I, I literally it sounds kind of crazy, but I literally took some paper out one day. And I just went through and like everything that I did during the day, whether it was eat something, turn a light switch on, get in my car, buy gas, I just wrote down like, you know, where's the money going, where's the time going, and who does it benefit? Yeah. You know, and that list at the end of the day, that three or four page list, whatever it was, you know, the amount of things that benefited me and my family was very, very small, maybe one or two items. 
And you start realizing that you're not you're not owning your own life and your own time, and, and you decide you want out. So we've gone pretty long here, so this is probably a good subject just to kind of finish up on. When you decided you wanted out, there's people everywhere, right, that are listening to this right now going, yeah, I'd like to get out. I'd like to have me a few acres out in, in Appalachia or wherever and some chickens and some rabbits, and but I still have to pay the bills. Talk about how you figured out how to get it done. I mean, I've told people how I'm doing it over and over again. Let's hear from somebody else. Well, you know, um, I, I guess I'll go back to the, the phrase comfortable minimalism again, man. I mean, when I decided to leave, um, I, I literally had nothing. Uh, it was a really dark day for me. Um, I, had, I was sleeping in my sister-in-law's basement, lying on a sleeping bag uh, with my eight-month pregnant wife next to me with $35 in my pocket. And that was literally the moment. That was the lowest point in my life, and you know, and I decided this is not working. I refuse to do this anymore. Uh, whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes, uh, you know, regardless, no criminal activity. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever I have to do to make this work, I'm, I'm getting out of this lifestyle. This is, you know, I mean, I kept pushing. I was working more and more hours. We were both working more and more, falling farther behind. We were just, you know, turning on each other because of the pressures and the stresses of everything, and. You know, I was lucky enough, I, I guess, you know, luck would probably be a big factor in it. I was lucky enough that I had some family down here that was willing to help me out a little bit. Um, and I gave up everything. Uh, we moved into a 16 by 16 uh, little, uh, it was actually a portable uh, business office is what it was. And uh, my folks funded me some money. I think it was uh, eight, eight or nine hundred dollars to buy this little thing. Had no electricity, no water. Um, my folks uh, retired down here on about ten acres of land. So again, that's that's luck, you know. I mean, people say, well, you know, my parents didn't retire on ten acres of land. So, yeah. You know, there, there's got to be a way. I can't tell you. You need to do this. You know, you need to look at it and find. Can you do it on one acre? You know, yeah. what I mean, can't do it on a quarter of an acre. Anything to get out of that and get down in here. Yeah. Uh, and again, like I said, I moved in. I had no electricity. I had no water, and I started from there. You know, I started. Um, I was lucky enough to be uh, uh, poor enough to qualify for some financial aid to go to school. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm no longer going to work for what. Uh, I don't want people to pay me for what I do. I need them to pay me for what I know. This is the only way that I'm ever going to make it out of this. And I decided to go back get an education. Uh, do something, and we were literally living, uh, my wife and two kids, uh, you know, living, uh, uh, before we got out of uh, school and got a degree and started working, our last income tax, I think it was, uh, the amount was uh, $4,200. Wow. wow. I mean, that's what we were living on. But you know what so, I heard you say in there that I think is key to the whole thing? We decided it was enough. Yes. Yeah, and you once you make that make decision, that. then you find the way and it might your way was was your way but for anybody else it will be their way but there's always a way and it's when you snap and say no more i'm not doing this that's when you you know kind of find your way out of it and you know for example with, with my debt problem uh i was making big money when i built that debt when I decided to get rid of that debt, I wasn't making big money anymore because I had gotten to the point where I hadn't said enough of the debt, but I said enough of the sacrifice. I'm not going to travel anymore. And that really killed off my income down to, God, it went down to 25% of what it was at its height. And now I'm trying to get rid of the debt with 
quarter of the income. But today my wife and I sat down and said, we're not doing this anymore. All of a sudden, the methodology to get it done just would appear. And every time we'd get an opportunity to do something about it, instead of squandering it, we would do it. And it took sacrifice. And I, don't, I wouldn't say it took the sacrifice that, that you guys had to put yourselves through, but it did take sacrifice. And I think that's the message for anyone out there. Getting where you want always takes sacrifice. But what we've been kind of hypnotized into is you shouldn't have to sacrifice. But what you just yeah. described to me, you know what it sounded like? It sounded a hell of a lot like 1850 in a covered wagon and going out and homesteading something. It really did. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to be able to take some credit for, for possessing that pioneer spirit, man. But, I, I mean, I don't I don't know if that's true or not. But, uh, you know, like you say, I just I convinced myself I took a realistic look at what I need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trust me, folks, you don't need a new car. You know, you don't need a new iPod. You don't need, you know, you just don't need it. I mean, if don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, you know, to each his own. If that's your thing, if you're working and you've got, the, you know, the latest clothes and you're following the trends and, you know, you're keeping up with the Joneses and you're making Mad Bank and everybody's happy, who am I to tell you how to change your life, you know? But if you are struggling and if you feel the weight of modern society pressing you down and subjecting you to the hell of plenty, then, you know, at that point you need to look around and, and trust me, you know, you don't need it. And in nine times out of ten, you're a lot happier without it. Those are great words. I think we're going to wrap up there. Uh, we're at 47 minutes. That's a pretty good length for a show. And uh, I'd like to thank you, Matt, for being on here. This this may be one of the best shows that I've ever been fortunate enough to be able to do. And I hope you'll consider coming back on in the future. Now that I've got a solution to do this with, I think I want to do a lot more of these. So thanks for being on here today. Anytime you want to do it, Jack, I will gladly, gladly do it. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way